You're listening to a sermon preached at Sojourn Midtown. This is our sermon series, I Am, examining the I Am statements of Jesus. Today's scripture reading is Exodus 3, 13 through 22. If you don't have a Bible, you can follow along on the screen behind me. Hear the word of the Lord. Then Moses asked God, If I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your ancestors has sent me to you, and they ask me, what is his name? What should I tell them? God replied to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say this to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever. This is how I am to be remembered in every generation. Go and assemble the elders of Israel and say to them, The Lord, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob has appeared to me and said, I have paid close attention to you and to what has been done to you in Egypt. And I have promised you that I will bring you up from the misery of Egypt to the land of the Canaanites, Hethites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites, a land flowing with milk and honey. They will listen to what you say. Then you, along with the elders of Israel, must go to the king of Egypt and say to him, The Lord, the God of the Hebrews, has met with us. Now please let us go on a three-day trip into the wilderness so that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God. However, I know that the king of Egypt will not allow you to go, even under force from a strong hand. But when I stretch out my hand and strike Egypt with all my miracles that I will perform in it, after that he will let you go. And I will give these people such favor with the Egyptians that when you go, you will not go empty-handed. Each woman will ask her neighbor and any woman staying in her house for silver and gold jewelry and clothing, and you will put them on your sons and daughters. So you will plunder the Egyptians. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Hey, my name is Jamal. I'm one of the pastors here. We are thrilled if you're a first-time guest that you are here with us. And if you are part of the fam fam, welcome. We are so glad that y'all are here. We pray that a word will be spoken or a song song that will enrich your life in Christ Jesus. Today, we are kicking off a new series called I Am. And as we think about this new series and as we celebrate the I Amness of God, we really pray, and I've been praying for two things, and have two goals. The first is, is that uh, all of us carry with us a sense of I am not enoughness. I am not enoughness. And as we finished out our Holy Spirit series, we know that God has called us to be his witnesses, to take the gospel to people where we live, work, and play. And part of what can hinder us from doing that is this internal conflict that we have that says, I am not enough. I'm not worthy enough. I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough, etc. Well, the prayer in this series is that we will get our eyes off of ourselves and what and our insufficiency and that we will put our eyes on God, on Jesus, the great I am. And I believe that this series is going to be really powerful and helpful in us doing that. Second, as we think about Jesus and we look at the gospel of John, Jesus makes um, seven I am statements. All right. And these statements is Jesus saying, this is who I am in my own words. And I think 
for this day and age, in this time, we need to hear who Jesus says he is in his own words, because everyone has an opinion about Jesus and who he is. And we get to hear from him. This is who I am. So I'm praying that the Holy Spirit, last week we looked at Acts chapter two, who the Holy Spirit, who is wind and fire. I'm praying that he would blow his breath upon us, aliven us to the word, aliven us to the reality of God. I am this. And I'm also praying that the Holy Spirit will come like fire. Yes, in the summertime, in a time where it's chill and it's time to relax, that we will experience the relaxedness of the gospel and remember that Jesus is the great I am. Would you pray with me? Holy Spirit, we do ask, we beg that you would have mercy upon us as a congregation. We pray that your Holy Spirit would, Lord, that you would just allow him to flood us with grace and mercy and truth and light and power. Lord, not to us, not to us, but to your name, give glory for the sake of your steadfast love. Would you glorify us as we commune together on Sunday mornings uh, through the preached word? Would you help our unbelief? Would you allow your word to burn in us like a fire? Bless us like you bless those on the Damascus road. Open our eyes to who Jesus is. Fortify our faith in him. We ask this not by might nor by power, but according to your spirit, O Lord God of hosts, even now. In Jesus' name, amen. In the early 20th century, sociologist and civil rights activist W.E.B. Du Bois, in his book, The Souls of Black Folk, coined a term known as double consciousness. And with this term, he was seeking to explain this duality and internal conflict that African-Americans have in a marginalized white society. He explained that many times there is this dual conflict where they are black but American or African and American and how at any time they're wrestling to live into those identities. When I think about Moses, I think about a man who was amazing. He's a center, central figure in the Old Testament, but he too had a dual identity. He was living with a, a double consciousness, a constant internal conflict that was within. And the conflict was, was that he was an Israelite. He was a son of Jacob, born from Jacob's lineage. But he also was raised as an Egyptian. He was raised in in Pharaoh's household. And could you imagine being Moses, having all of the privileges that a person could have, being raised essentially as as a son of Pharaoh, having wealth, the greatest education, having power, having influence. And then you look out your window and you see your kinfolk, the folk who share the same blood as you, being enslaved, suffering. So he lived with a a double consciousness. 
And his double consciousness led him to have this internal conflict that one day just spilled out and spilled over. One day he saw one of his Hebrew lights being abused by an Egyptian taskmaster, and out of anger, he reached out and he killed the Egyptian. As a result, he had a mark on his back from his very household. Pharaoh sought to kill him, and this drove him into the wilderness. One day he saw his own kinfolk fighting and arguing, and he sought to intervene. And as he broke up two Israelites uh, from fighting, uh, one of them looked at him and says, hey, man, essentially, we know what you did. You killed an Egyptian. Who made you judge and juror over us? Could you imagine the loneliness? Not being able to live into being an Egyptian or a Hebrew. Could you imagine the internal conflict of of not having a, a place of being driven into the wilderness coming from privilege? And now your main task is to take care of Jethro, your father in law's sheep. I'm sure Moses' life didn't make sense to him. I'm sure he was having a hard time as he was pondering the stars and, and fighting off wolves in the wilderness to even like bring his whole self to know who he is. And that's where we pick up in Genesis chapter three. The Bible starts in verse one. It says, meanwhile, Moses was shepherding the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, and he is on the, the uh, deep into the wilderness at the Mount of Horeb. Well, all of a sudden the Bible says that Moses has this, this experience. It's what theologians call a theophany. He experiences God in a miraculous way. The Bible says that he sees a bush burning. And that's for a shepherd in the wilderness isn't something new. And I'm, so, I'm sure he saw all kind of crazy things. But the Bible says that the bush was burning, but it was not being consumed. And so Moses, like any of us, maybe not like any of us, <laughs> Moses is a scary, uh, the person in a scary movie who sees something that looks dangerous and awkward who goes towards the house where everyone is running from, right? In the 90s, he's, there's the black person who always got killed off first. Oops, I said it, all right? Like, bro, run the other way, right? And he goes towards the bush. <laughs> Y'all so crazy. And he hears a voice, and it is the voice of the Lord. And the Lord's voice is going to speak to him. And here's what the Lord is going to have to say. And I want you to imagine being Moses. You're living in obscurity after coming from wealth and power and feeling like you had purpose. Then the Lord said, I have observed the misery, verse seven, of my people in Egypt and have heard them crying out because of their oppressors. I know about their sufferings, and I have come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and to bring them from the land from that land to a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the territory of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hevites, and the Jebusites. So because the Israelites cry for help has come to me, and I also have seen the way of the Egyptians are oppressing them, therefore go, I am sending you to Pharaoh so that you may lead my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. God comes to Moses in a theophany. Moses sees this bush burning. 
He hears the Lord say, Moses, take your shoes off for the ground that you are standing on is holy. And then he begins to speak and he says, listen, I want to use you to free my people. And in the text, he's going to tell them, I need you to do three things. One, I need you to go to Israel. I need you to go to Israel with the message. God is going to free you. He wants you to come into the wilderness to worship him for three days. Now, if you're Moses, naturally, you're thinking the last time I tried to intervene and help someone in Israel, (laughs) I got chastised and I had to run into the wilderness. He says, not only that, I want you to go to their elders. Not only do I want you to go to their elders, but then I want you to shoot an email over to Pharaoh's assistant (laughs) and say, yo, I need a meeting with Pharaoh. And then I want you to walk into his throne room and say, "Um, the Lord has told me to tell you to let his people go. The people who are building your booming economy, who you are enslaving, he wants to draw them out so that they can worship him. So naturally, (laughs) Moses responds this way. Verse 11. But Moses asked God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the Israelites out of Egypt? Now, many times we look at this and I think we don't have compassion on Moses. I kind of see it both ways, right? Moses is in the wilderness. He sees a bush on fire that is not being consumed by the fire. He hears the voice of the Lord speaking to him. And you would think that after seeing such a miraculous act that Moses' next response was like, man, if you can consume a bush with fire and allow it not to be burnt up, then whatever you're telling me to do, like, I believe you, I can do it. And some of y'all are like that. If I saw a bush on fire and God spoke to me through the bush, there's no way I'm not doing whatever he told me to do, right? But man, I, I feel compassion for Moses. I feel compassion. Because what God was calling Moses to do was so big. Go to the most powerful person on the earth who could squash you like a gnat. Go back to the place where you were a marked man and say, God told me to let his people go. It's terrifying. It's scary. Some of us, we look at this passage and we may think to ourselves like, man, God was angry at Moses Moses was in sin here. This is clearly a a lack of faith. But I don't believe that that's what's happening here. If we look at how God responds to Moses' I am not enoughness, I think that what we could take away from chapter 3 is that God expected that. No one who is called to do a great thing for God should feel in themselves sufficient enough to do the task. The Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians says, who is sufficient for these things? Who in their own strength, according to their own intellect, according to their own gift settings, can bring life to a situation that is completely dead? I think that this is an appropriate response from Moses. Who am I? All of us in here, we struggle with that question. If you are in Christ, God has called you to do something that is bigger than you can do on your own, to to be his witnesses, to be a part of taking his gospel to the nations, to be a part of him bringing people who are dead to life. And we can look at ourselves and like Moses, we can say, I am not enough. 
This week, I'm sure if I asked you to raise your hand, every single person in this room's hand would go up because you had at some point a I am not blank enough moment. Like, yo, God, I feel the weight of what you've called me to. But man, I'm not, I'm not strong enough. I'm not, I'm not smart enough. I'm not, I'm not pretty enough. I'm not wise enough. I'm not special enough. I'm not unique enough. I'm not interesting enough. Some singles in here, you are, 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 are drowning under this false guilt. Maybe because God has not provided you with a spouse and, and in your body you are owning that as not being enough. Or perhaps you're a parent and you are just overwhelmed as you are parenting your children, no matter the age, and you are taking that in as it being a problem with you that they are not growing up to be perfect. Perhaps you go into that job and when you go into that office on Monday morning, you hear a sermon and you say, yes, I'm ready to go for Jesus. And five minutes into that work day, you feel the weight of what you have been called and tasked to do. And you say, this stinks. This is not good. I am not enough. If I was enough, I would have my dream job. Things will be working perfectly. I am not blank enough. And what I want to show you real quick is how the Lord responds to our, I am not blank enough. Responds in two ways. Look at your Bibles. Picking up verse 12. This is the Lord answering Moses. He's in the wilderness living, as Corey Edwards says, in a strange pioneer life, not really being able to fit in anywhere with this double consciousness, this duality, this internal conflict, feeling the weights and the confusion of hearing a voice from a bush, but not feeling like he is enough. And he says this, the Lord says, I will certainly be with you. And this will be the sign to you that I am the one who sent you. When you bring the people out of Egypt, you will all worship God at this moment. Now, this is so interesting. Because when I feel like I am not enough, and I just want to do a confession to you, pride has a thousand different faces. And this is pride, okay? This can be pride. It's not always pride. Sometimes it's this guy telling us to do something big, big and us being wise enough to say, I can't do that <laughs> in my own strength. But pride also can be this self-pity, this, 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 this thing that we can... We can carry where we just constantly need encouragement from outsiders to affirm to us that we can do something. Encouragement is a good thing. We should be encouraging one another in the Lord. We shouldn't Jesus other and withhold encouragement. Hebrews chapter three says, encourage each other daily so that your hearts will not fall into sin and sin's deceitfulness. We need encouragement. But there is a, a point in which I believe that, that it can turn into self-pity, where what we think we need is a human being following us around all day, like being our hype man, like a, a rapper on stage, right? Y'all know those rappers on stage, right? They're up there rapping and they got like three people behind them just saying whatever they say, yo, 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 right? And then the rapper like, yeah, and they like, yeah, boy, right? 
Sometimes I wish, I'm like, Lord, what I need, I just need a constant hype person, right? I'm getting older, I'm hitting 40, and I bend down, and I can't bounce up like, yeah, you can do it, boy. Tie them shoes up. Yeah, yeah, I need that. Like, yeah, yeah. And some of us, that's what we, we need. But this text is profound because none of us have a, a hype person that's going to be with us through the highs and lows of just one day. And the approval of others and encouragement of others can perk us up, can stir us up for the moment, but it's not what's going to satisfy us and it's not what we need most. What we need most is confidence to believe that where the Lord guides, he provides. And what does he provide more than anything? He provides his presence. He tells Moses, I am with you wherever you go on this journey. I'm going to be beside you in every season of life, through every twist and every turn on the mountaintop, in the valley. I will not leave you. And he doesn't just say this to Moses. This is a theme throughout the scripture. When God calls people, he constantly calls them to things that are bigger than them, to things that they cannot do. And he calls them by faith to go and to remember that wherever they go, that he's with them. Moses, Joshua 1, my servant is dead. Joshua, I know you don't feel equipped, but you are the person. I know you were just Moses' assistant, but I have raised you up for such a time of this. Be strong and courageous and know that I am with you. Got some graduates here. Brother Kevin has been encouraging them. Today we celebrated high schoolers, but maybe you're moving from elementary school to middle school and from middle school to, to high school, or maybe you're just going up a, a different grade. I just want to encourage you that when that I am not blank enough comes as you enter into a new season to remember that God is with you. When you go to that college, remember that he will not leave you. He will not forsake you. The same God that was good to you here in Louisville is the same God that's going to carry you in Indiana. Second response, I love Moses, man. Y'all can hate on Moses. I love Mo. Lamo. And Lamo, man. Lamo is real. Lamo's like, all right, you really didn't answer my question of who am I? <laughs> you just pointed me to you that you are this, which is cool, which is cool. But let me ask you another question, Lord. Who are who are you? <laughs> Look at the text. Moses says, uh, 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 who are you? If I go to the Israelites and I say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? Like, what shall I tell them? Verse 14. And God replied to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say this to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever. This is how I am to be remembered in every generation. I am 
who I am. Now, this is interesting. It's interesting because what God does and how he answers Moses is not by giving like a technical name. Part of what's happening in this text is that Moses wants to know the name of God because as a culture, names matter. Your name pointed to like specifically who you are as a person, who your parents hoped you to be. A name pointed to your character, to your abilities. And God in the Hebrew answers Moses in first person uh, with a first person verb. Essentially, the word I am means to be. (laughs) It's like, just tell him I am who I am. And it seems interesting that God names himself a a verb rather than a noun. But what God was doing here is setting us up for what we're going to see as he reveals himself to the Israelites throughout the Old Testament. God is saying, listen, I am who I am and I am to my people whoever they need me to be. A bush that is on fire but not being consumed points to his I amness. He is self-efficient. He is self-sufficient. He is transcendent. He is immutable, which means he doesn't change his ways. He can just stay and keep a bush on fire and be in the midst of that fire without changing as long as he wants to. Let me break it down. God says, listen, I am. I'm the God who neither sleeps nor slumbers. I'm the God who does not grow weary, nor do I get tired. I'm a God who don't need you. As Pastor Josh said, I don't need your money. I don't need your resources. I let you join in on my mission for your joy. I am. Later on in the Old Testament, he's going to show up and say, I am Jehovah Rapha, the God who is your healer. I am Jehovah Teskanu, the God of your righteousness. I am Jehovah Nisi, the God of victory. I am. I'm Jehovah Shalom, the God of of peace. Who do you need me to be? I, I am Moses. Here's the main point. Here's what it's all pointing to when you're in this I am not blank enough mode. Rehearse and rely on God's I amness. When you find yourself And it rises in in you, I am not blank enough, I'm not strong enough, I'm not wise enough, I'm not smart enough, I'm not good enough. Rehearse and to rely not on who you are, but on the great I am. What will it look like this week in the midst of your feeling depleted and discouraged and, and not strong enough and not good enough and not this enough? What would it look like if you just paused and say... In my own strength, I'm not. But praise God, in Christ, I am because he is. All of us go there. And we all go there for different reasons. Our place has shaped us, our story has shaped us, our birth order has shaped us, our experiences have shaped us. There's voices in our head that are constantly telling us to overperform in order to be loved 
or that cripple us to where we don't do what God has called us to do because in and of ourselves we don't believe that we can. And I'm telling you that the answer to both the person who was maybe overconfident and the person who's waddling in self-pity is to look to God and to remind yourself, the person who is in self-pity, that in Christ, he empowers you to do exceedingly above and beyond in your lifetime through ordinary means what you never thought you could do. And to the person who is overinflated with too much self-confidence that shows up in different ways, the answer is still the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it's to recognize that in your own strength, you cannot do anything, that anything that you achieve is by the grace of God. And it is only by grace that you've been able to, to do anything. Two quick applications. One, before I I go there, let me say this. At the end of this passage and what we read, God is going to love on Moses some more, and he's going to give Moses a great gift. And we all have received this gift, but maybe to a different extreme. Maybe not specifically, but Moses is going to come. God's going to come to Moses and say, hey, here's exactly what I need you to say. Two, when you say this, this is what's going to happen. You are going to be rejected, but don't be afraid. This is what I've called you to do for two reasons. One, the rejection from Pharaoh is going to come because I'm going to harden his heart in order that I might stretch out my hand so that all of Israel and Egypt can know that I am in charge. I am sovereign. I'm able to break the back of the strongest superpower in the world. But two, I'm allowing this wrestle and this struggle come because after they go through all that they're going to go through, when y'all leave and go to Israel, to the land that I promise you, people are going to be taking off their jewelry and just giving y'all everything to get y'all out of there. (laughs) So you may not understand, Moses, what I'm doing, but you have to trust and believe that I'm working. He gives them more grace. Two applications. One. When you are feeling your I am not enoughness, it may be, not always, but it may be an opportunity for you to repent. You say, wait a minute, Pastor, you said early on that Moses was not necessarily in sin in chapter three. And in chapter three, I don't think that he was necessarily in sin. I think that he's just being real with God. You called me to do something big, something that is way outside of myself. I'm confused. Who am I to do this? You know my story. Who should I say sent me? The Lord is gracious and merciful. He continues to be gracious and merciful. But then in chapter four, things get a little little dicey. We don't know exactly how much time has passed, but some time is going to pass there on that mountain. They're conversing. Moses is still in doubt, believing that God, not believing that God can do what he said he can do through him. And God says, here's two signs. One, take a staff, throw it on the ground. Watch how the staff turns into a serpent. Pick it back up. It's a staff. Boom. I just did that. Two, you still don't believe me. You're still wrestling. That's fine, Moses. Momo, I got you. You've been through a lot. I'm going to be patient with you. Put your hand in your cloak. Pull your hand out. Oh, my goodness, it's leprosy. It's cool. I got you. Put your hand back in your cloak. Pull it back out. Oh, my goodness, my hand is back. I got you. But along the way, everything that Moses does, God counters that. But then there comes a point when Moses just says, listen, 
I can't go to Pharaoh. <laughs> Here's, I'm not a good public speaker. <laughs> and the Bible says that the Lord got angry. And part of the reason that the Lord gets angry is one, is because God is trying to show Moses, like, I created you. You can do whatever I call you to do. Where I guide, I will provide. But there's also something else that may be going on. I don't think that Moses actually was as bad of a speaker as he thinks that he is. In Acts chapter 7, one of the apostles is preaching and he preaches about Moses to Israel. He says, and Moses was a man who was great in wisdom and who was eloquent in speech. (laughs) I think Moses was just, at this point, turning into stubbornness. And God is patient with us in the stubbornness. He doesn't stone Moses. He loves Moses. But at some point, if we stay in this I am not enoughness enough and we don't move by faith, whatever was not done in faith is a sin, we are in sin. And we're allowing our idol of control or perfectionism or whatever it is to control us from doing what God has called us to do. And there are some Some of us in here today who God is like, yo, I'm telling you over and over, I'm with you. I I love you. Um, For years, we've been in the same place. I need you to go. I need you to step out on faith. I need you to delete that phone number and stop going back to that person when you're at a low place that you know is not good for you. I need you to stop making excuses and why you won't share the gospel with your longtime friend who is lost. I need you to walk across the street and introduce you to your neighbor. And the way we respond is by repenting, which means it's by taking our eyes off of ourselves and our I am not enoughness, especially that habitual I am not enoughness, and putting our eyes on Jesus who says, in me, you are enough. If I called you to do something, obey by faith and let me work. Watch me work. Second, remember that God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. I think in each of us, it's it's this belief that, man, I'm not enough because God hasn't given me enough. I'm not qualified to be enough. And, and again, when God calls us to something, it's a part of us that's, that's, that's natural. We see this theme throughout the Bible. You are not alone in this feeling. Listen, everyone in here feels like they are not blank enough to do something for the Lord. And if you're here and you never feel that... <laughs> And you always feel like you are the answer to the world's problem. You are the person. If everyone would just see that you are enough for the whole world, then something's wrong. (laughs) No one in here is qualified to do all that God requires us to do in our own strength. God does not call the qualified. He qualifies the called. Gideon. Come here, Gideon. I'm not going to have a conversation as if I'm Gideon. That freaks some of y'all out. But if you was to talk to Gideon, Gideon would tell you, listen, when God called me, my first response was, no, I am from the tribe of Manasseh. It is the lowest. In other words, I'm from the hood. 
I can't go. I can't do this. I'm not qualified. I don't have the degrees. I don't have the experience. And God used Gideon to defeat a mighty army with 300 soldiers. Even when Gideon had some confidence because he had a squad, God was like, nope, I'm taking your squad down to 300. Let's go. And there's going to be 300 goofies, the ones who are lapping water. (laughs) Not even the strong ones. It's the ones who are lapping, right? (laughs) Who else can we call? Jeremiah? Come here, Jeremiah. I've called you to build and to, to tear down to speak this message to the nations. What was Jeremiah's response? Wait a minute, Lord, I'm, I'm not old enough. <laughs> not old enough. I don't have enough experience. Who else can we call? Maybe, let's try Isaiah. Come here, Isaiah. When King Uzziah died, the Bible says that he was in the temple worshiping and he saw the glory of the Lord filled the temple and God called Isaiah and and said, I'm going to send you out, Isaiah. What's Isaiah's response? He says, wait a minute, I am unclean. I'm not not holy enough. I'm not pure enough. Do you know my past? Do you know what I've been through? And God touched his mouth. I said, now you're, you're holy. Go. Come here, David. Last son of his father. In the, with the sheep, <laughs> when the prophet comes to town to anoint him, we can go on and on and on and on and on and on again. In the stories and the faces of the people of the Bible is each of us. None of us are enough. In ourselves. But the good news is that in Christ Jesus, we are more than enough because our I am notness turns into his I amness. 1 Corinthians. Paul says this, brothers and sisters, consider your calling. Not many were wise from a human perspective. He's like, not many. And I think he really wants to say none of y'all. He's just being nice to that one person who's just new to the faith and who still think that they might be special, Right? He's like, not many of you are wise from a human perspective, not many powerful, not many of noble birth. I mean, Jesus, from a human perspective, was not powerful. He was not of noble birth. Instead, God has chosen what is foolish in the world and his humanity to shame the wise. And God has chosen what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God has chosen what is insignificant and despised in the world, what is viewed as nothing to bring to nothing, what is viewed as something so that no one can boast in his presence. This is what the Lord does. This is how the Lord works. He works by using unimpressive people. And no matter your pedigree, no matter your background, no matter how you were raised, maybe you were born of noble birth, maybe you have a silver spoon, maybe you had it all. Here's the truth. We still are unimpressive. You want to know why we're unimpressive? Because in our own strength and power, we cannot bring dead people to life. And yet that is what God is calling us to be a part of doing, is sharing his gospel so that those who are in the kingdom of darkness can be transferred into the kingdom of life. None of us are able to do that. We're weak. But here's the good news. Paul says this, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, 
God says this to Paul, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is perfected in weakness. Somebody needs needs to pause and read that over and over again. I'm just going to be silent for a minute. To the parent who's struggling, to the single person who is filling their I am not enoughness. To the husband, to the wife, the person with the record, to the one who blew it this morning, to the one who's holding a secret that if it came out, feel like would ruin your life. My strength is made perfect in your weakness. What if the path forward for you is not you feeling like you are enough? What if the path forward is you going to the Lord in humility, poor of spirit, mourning, and in weakness, and telling God what he already knows is that in your own power, you can't. And you pausing long enough to hear his voice, my strength is perfected in your weakness. I didn't come for the person who is well. I came for the one who isn't well. I came for the one who feels cast down. I came for the one who feels destroyed. I came for the one who feels shame. I came for the one who can't get it together. Not only did I come for you, but I delight in you. I love you. And I am making something special out of your life. I am using your experience in Egypt that you thought was wasted. And I'm going to bring you, Moses, into the wilderness because I need someone who has the education to write a law binding agreement. I'm going to take those 40 years that you were in the wilderness with those sheep, angry and confused and mad and feeling like you are under, underperforming. And I'm going to use all of that for my glory because Moses, boy, do I have a job for you. And I need you to trust me. You're feeling your I am notness. Look to Jesus and see his amnes. Bad English, but good theology. <laughs> I said bad English, but good theology. <laughs> the rest of the series, we're going to look at Jesus' I am statements. I want to encourage you to prioritize. You're here in Louisville this summer, prioritize being here so that we can take our eyes off of our I am notness and receive Jesus's I amness. You can see on the screen what we'll be covering each week. Next week, we have a, a sermon that's going to set up the rest of them from the New Testament. Jesus, one day in talking to the Pharisees, said, listen, before Abraham was, I am, which is a powerful statement. It's like whoever God called before they were, I am, I am God. I am the one that visited Abraham when he was without child. I am the one who was in that bush speaking to you. I am. Whatever you need today, know that Jesus has it for you. You need peace of mind. Go to Jesus. He is a mind regulator.
You need joy. Go to Jesus. He is your joy. You need liberation. Go to Jesus. He is the ultimate liberator. Let's pray. Hi, I'm Jamal Williams, lead pastor of Sojourn Midtown. Thanks for listening. At Midtown, we value gospel-centeredness, biblical faithfulness, transformative relationships, diverse fellowship, creativity in the arts, and relentless mission. For more sermons, info about our church, visit SojournChurch.com slash Midtown.